Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. Uh, my name is Glenn, and this is episode number 78, and it's my conversation with uh, my friend Brandon Rice. So interesting thing to lead into some other interesting things. Um, Brandon is a member of our Facebook group, uh, the closed Facebook group, uh, the What If Project community, and he's going to come on today to talk to us about the evolution of his faith. Uh, so I'm not going to say anything other than that, uh, but you will be intrigued. This is a good uh, conversation. The What If Project community is an online Facebook group that you are welcome to join. Um, it's a closed group. And in this group, there's all sorts of people uh, from all sorts of walks of life, uh, all at various places in their faith. And everybody's in there exploring, asking questions, um, expressing their doubts, sharing their learns, and cheering one another on. We have people who have been uh, literally walking with Christ for a long time. We have people in there who are uh, therapists. We have people in there who are pastors, um, ex-pastors. We have people who aren't even sure if they believe in God anymore. Uh, But everybody's in there, and nobody's arguing, nobody's bickering, nobody's shaming anyone for their questions. Everybody's free to ask their questions, share their doubts, share their ideas. And it's really just a beautiful, uh, beautiful place. So you're welcome to go join. Uh, The link to that will be in the show notes. Um, Also, Patreon, patreon.com slash whatifproject is a place where you can go to support uh, the show financially. So if this thing has encouraged you, inspired you, pushed you forward in your faith, uh, that's a place where you can go to Kind of give some money to the show, starting as little as $3 a month, all the way up to $30 a month. You can also create your own tier, and every tier gets its own gift or its own reward um, in return. So go check that out. The link will also be in the show notes, patreon.com slash whatifproject. And lastly, next week, uh, next week we are starting a brand new series. Uh, it's going to be a 12 maybe 13, maybe 14 week series, not sure yet. I have a few emails out there that I'm waiting for uh, return. And it's called Women's Voices You Need to Hear. And I'm going to tell you more about this series next week. Um, But let's just say this is going to be a wild series. You might have noticed, if you go back and look at all of the episodes, um, I have not had a female voice on the show to date. Uh, And some people have asked me why. And the answer is because I've been emailing them, reaching out to them, uh, and planning for this series where I want to bring all of these ladies together and make a whole lot of noise. Uh, So for instance, we're going to have some people on here, uh, like Cindy Wong Brandt is going to be joining us, um, Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, Diana Butler Bass, all sorts of women uh, sharing all sorts of things. So uh, get ready for that. I'm super excited about it. Uh, but all of that to say, this, again, is episode number 78. Uh, it's my conversation with Brandon Rice. And special music today is from my friend uh, DJ Dot. Uh, I mentioned last week that DJ Dot and I uh, work together. And she is a very talented artist, a uh, very encouraging person, Uh, She is an inspiration to me, uh, all the people around her that she works with, uh, an encourager, a great spirit, doing great things in the world. Uh, So go download her music. All the links will be in the show notes to that as well. Uh, So sit back, enjoy the tunes, and enjoy the show. Thanks for coming. Hey everybody, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. Uh, today we're sitting down with my friend Brandon Rice. Uh, Brandon is a member of our closed, super top secret Facebook group, uh, the What If Project community, and uh, I'm excited to have him on the show today. So, Brandon, welcome, my friend. It's an honor to chat with you. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So I asked Brandon to join me today because I've heard uh, bits and pieces of his story. And to say the very least, uh, I am super, super intrigued. Uh, in addition to his own podcast, which he'll talk about a little bit later, uh, Brandon creates films. Uh, he's a passionate storyteller. And he grew up in a very, very conservative evangelical setting, which we'll also talk about. So uh, Brandon, to kick it off, maybe just uh, tell us your story. You know, who are you? Uh, where did you come from? How did you get to where you are? Tell us all the details about Brandon, about Brandon Rice. Okay, well, um, I'll, I'll keep it pretty like high level and then we can zoom in on different spots. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Basically, you know, I uh, yeah, grew up in the church, um, grew up in Southern California. I was actually born in Denver, Colorado, and then my family moved to Michigan and then finally to Southern California. So I was, you know, enjoying the sunshine yeah. and the traffic and all <laughs> that comes with that. I've heard it's crazy traffic over there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I'm glad I don't live there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, um, but yeah, so just long story short, the reason we moved to California was actually because my dad wanted to attend the Master Seminary, hmm. which is closely connected to Grace Community Church, which is John MacArthur's church, hmm. which is very, very uh, evangelical, um, pretty... I would say, you know, using terms, you know, fundamentalist. Big terms, yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're non-denominational, but definitely more, like if I had to classify them, they'd be like a Reformed Baptist church. Hmm. You know, if I had to classify them as something, a really big one. I mean, yep. you know, there was, I'm still, I think there still is about 6,000 to 7,000 people like a Sunday going there. So hmm. it was huge, hmm. which... It's interesting because we moved there when I was seven to Southern California and really the only like church experience I can remember as a child was a very large church, you know, basically a mega church. Um, it wasn't until I was, you know, 18, 17, 18 that we went to a smaller church and it still had a lot of the same um, theology and the same kind of influences. And I'll actually get into that in a little bit of how the Grace Community Church effect kind of stretches out, um, mm -hmm. especially in the very near vicinity, you know, like a, a couple hundred mile radius. Mm -hmm. But even throughout, I mean, the world, it's a pretty um, wide ministry. Um, I, I hesitate to use that word, but you yeah. know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> yep. It has a wide influence. I'll put it sure. that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so pretty much my whole growing up years you know, was in that church. When did and you then, start going there? Like, how old were you? Um, so I was seven when we started going there. Yeah, six so or seven. seven to 18? Yeah, yeah. A pretty seven, good 18. chunk of your life. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much my whole childhood. Hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, throughout that process, I was also homeschooled. So I didn't have like a lot of like outside influences in terms of um, like I wasn't in a regular school with like different like viewpoints on life hmm. and things like that. You know, I was pretty isolated in general. Hmm. You know, didn't really have a lot of outside influences aside from my church and my like home life, you know. Hmm. So, you know, f fast forward to as an adult, um, bounced around between a few churches, some medium, some small, mostly all kind of the same vein. Hmm. And then, yeah, even after I got uh, married at 25. He was 25, 24, 25. I get, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not perfect on dates all the time. Yeah, me neither. But yeah, I <laughs> still was in like a very, um, you know, conservative church, evangelical church, mm. um, kind of, you know, just, and always like kind of feeling like under the surface, something was like off and also feeling really, uh, looking back, especially now I can see, I felt very um, like kind of claustrophobic, like, I couldn't really express myself like emotionally a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of looking back, I couldn't, you know, certain feelings were a little off limits, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know I mean? Yep. Um, you know, and then even just like questions I had about life were like, you know, given Bible verses to answer and things like that. So I always thought there was, even as I was growing up, I was, there's something felt 
off, but I didn't really have any other experience in life. Yeah, nothing to judge um, it against. Yeah. 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 There, hmm. I mean, my, my sphere of influence was so limited hmm. and most of it was just the same stuff, you know, or very close to the same stuff. Hmm. So there wasn't anything really outside of it and it, and it felt safe. It felt uh, normal. It felt, um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was my family. I mean, you know, you're connected to that. So it's like, you don't want to disconnect from that because it's scary, you know? Yeah. It's like all those connections kind of squash the questions that you have because you're like, well, everybody else is here. So. Right. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like you start and I have a lot of self doubt anyway. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you start to doubt like, well, what if my questions don't really need answered because all these people don't have the questions. Yeah. So like, or, or they have this answer. So I'm just going to adopt this cause it's easier, you know? Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of, it's been something I've been working on myself. I have a lot of self doubt because yep. also in, in those in that church in particular and in sort of that, that line of theology, you know, that line of understanding God and, and our world and all that in the Bible, it's like, you, you know, the person is actually not to be trusted. You know, you're yeah. not to trust yourself. You're not to trust your, the heart is evil emotions. above all things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. taking some of those verses and, and really um, interpreting them in a way where it becomes like the person, your soul essentially is not worth trusting, not worth really existing outside of, you know, this cosmic transaction between you and God, you know, in, yeah. in some way. Um, so yeah, just again, kind of bounced around. I eventually, um, moved to Nashville area, Franklin, Tennessee in particular. And that was in 2015. And it was interesting because I got out of the, um, sphere of influence, mostly of like the grace community church, you know, type influence, the master seminary influence, I remember coming here and being like, I don't really want to go to a church that has people <laughs> from the master seminary there. Yeah, teaching. sure. And I, just because I wanted something different, honestly, it wasn't mm. like necessarily I want to rebel, you know. And all yeah, this kind of it seems like it a different just, voice. Yeah. Yeah, just to hear something different. Um, ended up landing in like a more Southern Baptist type of church, mm. um, but with a pastor who like, even though maybe I would even disagree with him now on a lot of things, like was super like kind and compassionate and open and like, you know, even personally one-on-one -on -one became a friend with me and mm. was never like, well, here's the way you need to understand things. Like he was super like listening to me, you know, like yeah, sure. he, he wasn't, he listened to my questions. He didn't always like give me like, well, here's what the Bible says, like mm, answer, yeah. you know, or here's what our theology says. Like he would let things hang in tension. Mm. Um, and I've since left that church like about a year and a half ago, but it was like still a big part of like my experience of um, understanding what I believed and also just healing from, well, this is the only way that life is yeah. um, when it comes to like my spiritual life, especially, hmm. and even really beyond that. Um, yeah. He was just very, very compassionate, very open, very loving. I mean, really that's the only way I can put it hmm. um, even within like a more you know conservative type of church, hmm. which was really cool. So, yeah. So, and now I am sort of, in church, not in church, like I'm mixed, you know, in okay. terms of my, my life. But yeah, as far as like beyond the spiritual stuff, um, you know, I'm a filmmaker and I've been doing that since I was like in high school hmm. and I finally actually didn't do that full time in California, believe it or not, even though it's like where people make movies. Right. Yeah. You'd think that's what you would do there. <laughs> yeah. But I was actually just part time there. Um, just doing it on the side with friends and stuff. Hmm. And then, um, I decided, you know, in 2015, I was like, I really want to pursue this like full time. And I, that's when I moved. It's weird. I ended up in Nashville, but like, it's odd because you can actually find work in places where you wouldn't expect because, you know, there's not as many people doing the same thing. Whereas in mm. California, it's like super saturated with people. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there too, but there's just so many people doing the same thing it's hard to stand out, you know, as a, as an artist, as a creator. Sure. So being in Nashville, which is a really great place to be too. There's a lot of growth here. There's a lot of 
people moving here. There's a lot of art happening here. So mm -hmm. I really, I really like it a lot. So okay. let's drill down a little bit into the uh, church experience. So you grew up in John MacArthur's church. Um, yeah. And when you told me this, I think I, you told me this maybe like a few months ago, like it totally blew my mind because I would have never guessed that based upon what I see uh, you talking about online and things like that. So I was like, I got to know more. So that's why I wanted yeah. to bring you on. Uh, but I've only seen MacArthur's ministry like from a distance, but like you've seen it up close in person. So like I've only seen like what the media has to say. I've read, I don't know, maybe three, four of his books, uh, things like that. And side note for our listeners, if you have no idea who this guy is, uh, his church was in the media, I don't know, maybe was it like six months ago in regards to a comment he made about um, Beth Moore. And mm -hmm. since she's a, a woman pastor, a woman preacher, he said basically she's got no right to preach and she should just, quote, go home. Um, but Brandon, I'm wondering, um, what was it like growing up in that ministry setting? And, and before you answer that, just want to make it clear to everybody, like I'm not looking for you to badmouth it, not looking for you to take jabs. Like I'm really interested mm -hmm. to hear, like what were Sundays like? What were sermons like? Like how were like how were questions treated? Like if somebody had a question, mm -hmm. they had a doubt, like what, what was that person? Like, how did, how did, how was that treated by maybe leadership and things like that? How did it affect your walk with God? Like talk to me a little bit more about the experience that you had in that church growing up. To your point about like, you know, bad mouthing or talking bad. I just want to make sure and reiterate, like, this is my personal experience. Yeah, like for sure. I don't, you know, want to, you know, I still have no people that, that, you know, go to Grace Community and, yep. you know, I, I talk to them regularly and, you know, we're, we're good and stuff. And, and I just want to make sure that people know that like, I'm not like, I think sometimes when people think about, you know, things that have hurt us, it's like people immediately think that you want to like bring something down or like destroy something. Yeah. That's right. Like, yeah, it's like the reaction people have, you know, it's like, I feel like that's just doing more of the same damage. So, you know, I want to make sure that on the outset that we, you know, get that kind of in, in the clear. So to, so to speak. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel like even though we might not see eye to eye on theological issues, I think we can move forward arm in arm and do our best to do the work of Christ together. Yeah. So I would hope that, you know, someone who is, you know, um, a super, super conservative you know, evangelical Christian, that even though we might not see eye to eye on those theological issues, like, Hey, we still want to make a difference in the world. So let's put, yeah. put our hands to work and let's, let's get busy. So yeah. And try to find the places we can come to an agreement Absolutely. and like understand that, you know, we may see things differently and even see the way things play out differently, but we still have the goal of, you know, more peace and love in the world, That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, and it's, it can be difficult sometimes because, you know, and this is something that we can talk about, but it's like, well, you know, if your definition of peace and love is different, yeah, then that can be a hard, that can be a hard thing, you For know? Sure. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I think. And it's hard for me to talk about my church experience without talking about my family experience, like my mm -hmm. growing up life, because mm -hmm. it was super interconnected, you know, my dad being, you know, a seminary, you know, he didn't actually end up graduating, but he went to the seminary for a long time mm. and then being pretty connected at the church and still being pretty connected to the people there. And, and, you know, that whole kind of, you know, influence, as I said earlier. Mm. So I think one of the things that really sticks out to me and it's hard, honestly, like I don't have the best memory of like my childhood, but I do remember it being so big and also like it feeling feelings. I don't know what the word is. Um, it felt very like, uh, I felt like stiff when I was at church. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Like I like my, I remember my body literally feeling like, like, um, like tightened up. Like mm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like um, very tense. Tense. Yes. That's yeah. the word, you know? Yep. And, um, I remember hearing a lot about, um, you know, the world, the world, you know, all this, you know, and it felt very, um, kind of like, um, you know, we're, we're different than the world, you know, we're mm -hmm. different than the world and all this. And then a lot of talk about sin, a lot of talk about 
judgment. Um, and that extended into my home life too. Hmm. Um, a lot of emphasis on that, a lot of emphasis on repentance, hmm. you know, on, on, you know, being right before God, so to speak. Hmm. And, you know, I heard about hell a lot, it, but the weird thing is, is it didn't feel like I heard about hell, but it was always this like thing in the background, like that was just a given, you know, like it's just a given that, you know, if you don't repent of your sins, you're going to hell mm. kind of thing. It wasn't like we got to talk about it every Sunday. It just was part of understanding that that's a given. It's part of know? the narrative. Yeah. That's just yeah. Way- you know, yeah. and it's kind of like you just eventually, it's just eventually like a default, like, Oh yeah, that's what happens. Mm. You know, mm. <laughs> you don't even have to hear about it anymore. You just kind of like, it just automatically defaults to that. Right. And I mean, a lot of the theology was like that, it, especially being, you know, growing up there. It's like, I remember starting to hear, you know, as I actually got outside of the church and, and moved to a different church that still had influence. But I started to, you know, as I was growing up, becoming an adult, I started to, uh, you know, explore some theology and ideas that we're still really within like the same, um, you, you know, family, if you will, like sure. very still conservative ideas, but just a little bit different. And mm. I remember how like even scary that was and how people would look at me like I was crazy mm. if I brought them up. Like yep. I can give you an example, you know, the um, study of eschatology, which means, you know, in Christian theology, the end of all things like the end times mm-hmm. type stuff. And in grace community, it's very, it, they, they talk about eschatology a lot. They talk about the end of all things. They talk about the, you know, second coming of Christ, the rapture and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember starting to have some ideas and, and explore some ideas about like a post millennial view of eschatology, which would be, would be you know, not that the world's getting worse, not that the world's going to you know, be burned in fire, but like the opposite, kind of like that things are being restored and things mm-hmm. are being made new and all this kind of stuff. And I remember, and even though that's kind of within like a conservative Christian, like sort of like family, like it's that's still like a legitimate that. view that people have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it even has a fancy name. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, Everybody has to make a, you know, scientists make up fancy names for things and, and religious people do the same thing. We all <laughs> right. have to make up our fancy names for things. Um, but it's, it's funny because I remember even in that, like, pretty, like, looking at it now, it's a pretty, like, normal view. Hmm. And, like, I remember being called crazy and, like, that it was, it was a crazy wacko view. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just like, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so like, just that as an example, it would, that's kind of like, uh, you know, just a, an example of like the, the, I think the, the mindset of, you know, and I, and I've heard this, you know, even now, like I still, cause I'm really careful about, I don't want to remember something in a negative way because it's hurt me. Yeah. And so I still will actually occasionally listen to some stuff from mm. like, grace community and stuff just because i'm like was it what i really thought that was Mm. you know like i don't want to like have because we all kind of have a perspective and it's like it changes and it's like i don't want it to be unfair you know like to to what it was and even now i like listen and it's like no it is like like really truly and i and i believe they are sincere in all they say but the leadership there and and the people most of the people that attend really truly believe they know what is right. Mm. Like, and that was the feeling, you know what I'm saying? Like we know what's right. We know what this verse means. We know what, you know, how to systematize this Bible and like how to this plays out in our life. We know exactly what to do in every situation. Mm. Like that was kind of the mindset. Yeah. And you know, when you don't know what to do in a situation, you ask a quote, person in leadership and then they can tell you what to do. And I think there's a, um, there's a safety in that. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, part of me now having been away from there and having started to kind of look at things a little bit differently, part of me now is afraid. Part of me now is 
more fearful in a way Hmm. fearful that they might be right like maybe it is just this you know and what if i'm wrong you know Hmm. and it's just this but i think part of the what if i'm wrong what if that's right mindset is something that i literally grew up believing was a thing yeah you know Hmm. like that there is this that's right and this that's wrong you know Hmm. and um yeah it was just you know everything i mean music movies like it was oh that's good oh that's bad like just very dualistic you know this is good this is bad like no conversation about why or like if you brought up why it was like looked down (laughs) like (laughs) you know it's just yeah there's just no don't ask just believe it yeah yeah questions aren't really questions are accepted but if you don't go with the answer more questions aren't accepted mm. if that makes sense yeah you know like no it's wrestling like you got an answer you should be fine yeah do you think that you mentioned earlier that you you struggle with self-doubt and i do as well i've always struggled yeah. with that uh throughout my life and i grew up not in a the same kind of setting as you did but still a very conservative like reformed um tradition and I always found like, as I reflected back on my life and I don't know, maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but that very black and white uh, mentality in ministry, when it comes to the Bible and God and Jesus and the cross and hell and the rapture, all that kind of stuff, that very black and white, those dichotomies, I feel like have really created a lot of self doubt in me because like, if they're right and they're so, they're such a tight grip on what they believe, then I must be wrong. And if Mm -hmm. I have these questions, then something must be wrong with me because everybody around me doesn't have those questions. And I remember feeling like that a lot, like in seminary, because in seminary, you know, you have, you have your professors, you have a lot of students who are like super into theology and stuff like that. And like, everybody felt like, felt like everybody around me just had such a tight grasp on these big lofty theological ideas. I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know if I really agree with that, but then feeling well, there must be something wrong with me because they're so, they feel so correct. You know, what's wrong with me? I don't know if you've felt that at all, but it's kind of where I was. Yeah, no, I, I totally relate to that. Like, yeah, the self-doubt thing is huge. And I remember, I vividly remember this. I remember being so afraid of not being saved, quote, saved, mm, yep. you know? And like, I remember as a child, even a young child, praying all the time like please save me and just hoping like it would stick like yeah i had so much anxiety over that Mm. and you know it was just a again it was just an example of anxiety i don't even think i consciously felt but about pretty much everything like i remember and i remember even you know looking down on people or judging people for for not having the same you know religion i have or for um, listening to music that i thought was you know quote evil or something mm. like that you know or or you know seeing movies that i wasn't allowed to see even though i was secretly wishing i could see it you know yeah, yeah. things like that you know just even silly kind of surfacey things the the hell heaven thing i mean that mm. was huge cuz i was just i think i mean i think i just lived in a constant state of anxiety about that <laughs> you know and I, I think i still sometimes do a little <laughs> sure. bit sure does it really go being, away <laughs> yeah if i'm being real honest about it <laughs> So, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's like, if everyone, you know, you think you're crazy in a way, it's like, I legitimately, you know, like even exploring, like I said, some of these other theologies, you know, and then people voicing that I was crazy. Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, that's not even half of it. Like if you only knew what was going on in my mind, you know, and in my heart of the questions I have or the the confusion I have about this life, like I, you would call me a lunatic probably, you know? Yeah, right. And then yeah. you start to feel like, well, maybe I am a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe I just need a, and it was funny cause it's always, it always felt like it was always about, you know, read the Bible more, read the yes. Bible more, read the Bible more. Right. Pray more and, yeah. or pray more or, you know, you know, have good friends around you or whatever. And like, I remember, honestly, I did not like reading the Bible. Mm. Like I did not, like, I was like, this is boring. Like, I don't understand it. Like 
I mean, or I already know what it says because I've been told what it says. So right. why am I reading it? Yeah. It didn't make sense to me to read it, you know? Hmm. And they're just like, no, 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 read it. It'll, it'll answer your questions. It'll, it'll transform you. And I'm like, reading a book doesn't transform. Like that's right. You know what right. I mean? Like, sure. like <laughs> that just, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. you know, like I just, it was so like, but I would also go through the motions. Like I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three. A little bit. I've learned a little bit about it. I'm not, I don't yeah. know what I am. So, but continue. Yeah. But I'm, you know, on the, the Enneagram three is like the performer or the achiever. Mm. And I think a lot of that came from growing up having to do that, like being forced in a way to do that because like I couldn't really let myself be known because mm. if I had, I would either be called crazy or, you know, going to hell or a yep. sinner or, you know, take your choice of derogatory right. <laughs> title. Words. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like you end up just going through the motions. Mm. Like I would tell people that I read my Bible. I would be like, oh, yeah. Like I, and like honestly, I knew all the, an- the quote answers, yep. you know, because I grew up in a home where it was talked about a lot. I went to a church where they threw around the fancy terms and all the, you know, definitions of them. And I knew all of them, you know, mm. but it, I, I was just going through the motions. Like none of, I didn't care about any of it really, mm. you know, yeah. but yeah. I also felt bad for not caring. Cause I was like, if I don't care and I'm going to hell, then that's a problem. Cause I don't yeah. want to burn forever. Right. Know? Who wants to do that? Right. Like, who wants to do that? <laughs> right. So I was like in this weird place where I was like being totally inauthentic, hmm. but at the same time in my inauthenticity, I was like, I hope it's, I hope there's something about this that's real enough to get hmm. me to heaven. You know? Yeah. I think too, the, what you're saying about the performance driven piece, like I felt like always felt like I was trying to perform for everybody around me because you know, hmm. if you perform in a certain way, like I grew up in a Christian school. So from the fourth through 12th grade, Christian school, Bible college, seminary. So constant, you know, God talk all around me and constantly trying to, you know, please professors and teachers and things like that. And you, you kind of carry that performance driven peace into your relationship with God, because, you know, if something's wrong in your life, the answer always is like you said, pray more, read your Bible more, whatever. And that's like, okay, well, in order to get God's approval, in order to get God's nod of approval on my life, I guess I got to read my Bible more. I guess I got to pray more. I got to go to church more. So it's kind of like taking that baggage, so to speak, from the church world and throwing it onto God's back as well. Yeah. I mean, it, I think our relationship with God comes, I mean, I think our understanding of that comes directly through our relationship with others. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why even, you know, there's even verses in the Bible that literally say that when people are loving each other, God's there. It's because yeah. like, I mean, we, you know, we, the models we see around us and the models we have in our life mm-hmm. are what we sort of think of God as, you know, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely right. Like if we're, if we're around a, a, an environment that says pray more, read the Bible more or, you know, repent more or whatever, like we're going to think, Oh, that's what God expects. Like that, right. I need to do that. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. if, if I do that and I say that I'm doing that, then people around me are happy and they think I'm, I'm good. Like growing up, I was, you know, the good kid, you know, because I was able to say, you know, even though it was not true. Oh yeah. Yeah. I read that. Oh yeah. I did that. Oh yeah. Like I'm a good Christian. Like I know all the answers and, mm. you know, like, um, you know, and on the outside my life was like squeaky clean, you know, like, and you know, anything that, you know, wasn't, um, gonna like work for like the the environment i was in i was gonna keep hidden you know what i mean like yeah, i was right. gonna, like again that and, and stuff you know, under the carpet yeah <laughs> right living these yeah. two lives and like and neither of them really being authentic because mm. one was kind of in a reaction to another you know and then it was just it's it just creates this really messed up like i don't know if i can say it but like a mind fuck yeah you know? yep so what's the biggest thing then that's changed for you? Like look back on the Brandon that grew up in that setting. Um, now the Brandon who has this podcast, you're kind of exploring your faith and you kind of deconstructed some things. Like what's the the biggest piece of your faith that's changed or the biggest thing of how you think about God that's maybe shifted? 
Wow, that's a that's a big question. It's a big one. Um, and I know that you yeah. post about some pretty uh some things on your Facebook page that sometimes <laughs> lead me to believe I know what some of the an- the answer might be, but continue. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go um back a little bit, you know, back to growing up feeling like I couldn't be authentic, but also not knowing what that was because yeah. if you can't even explore what it is you don't know what it is yeah you know if you're told you know growing up in your religious context that you are evil you're depraved you're mm-hmm. basically a piece of crap like well why would you ever want to get to know yourself right if that's what you are yeah you know like there's no purpose like mm. so i better get to know this god that's outside of me mm. and then they're saying the only way to do that is through this church or through the the bible Hmm. or through prayer which i don't even know how that works but whatever and (laughs) and so it's like wow like nothing about myself really matters Hmm. you know and so i think it, it started in the head where i started to question just even as i mentioned earlier that i you know that that example of like just even theologies just like ways of understanding god like will have, you know, even, even things that had, were in conservative Christianity, like, mm. you know, end times views or whatever. It's like, well, like I was started to explore some of that. Mm. So I think this process has been going on for a long time. Mm. And then it really came to a head when um, a couple of years ago, I was separated from my ex-wife now and um, her and my daughter, moved across the country Mm. and we were separated for a couple years and I was in this really low place. Um, really low. I mean, like shit had hit the fan in a huge way Mm. and I was kind of in a desperate place and I, you know, I didn't know what to think or what to do or what I believed or anything, you know, it just like everything completely shifted in my life and I just didn't know what way was up and what way Mm. was down. And so during that time, I started going to some therapy Hmm. and my counselor is, uh, he also went to seminary, which was Hmm. interesting. I actually got referred to him by the pastor at my old church who I mentioned earlier um, because he and the pastor and I had developed a friendship at that point. He was really healing in this whole process because he was super compassionate and loving and a person to talk to that wasn't going to be judgmental of me Mm. and you know of of the whole situation and he referred me to this this counselor who you know had um gone to seminary but also was very open very like you know open about like things having tension um there being things we can't understand mystery with god Mm. Mm. and it was really like it's interesting because a lot of people, I think, you know, it's like the the outside influences like need to be shut down in a way. Mm. And I think in this case, I needed people to listen because I'm a very verbal processor. Mm. And so I needed people to just listen and let me just talk about like literally, you know, 30 some years of just not knowing who I was, right. not knowing what life's about, yeah. like questioning everything. Mm. And like, you know, I'm still, you know, thankfully I've, I've, uh, I've come a long way in knowing who I am, but I'm still questioning a lot of things. And I mm. think I might be my whole life, which I think mm. is kind of the fun part about life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like giving me an opportunity. And I, I even remember after my first counseling session, cause I had been to like quote biblical counseling before sure. in like my old church and stuff like that. And back in, back in California. And I remember always getting quote homework and it would be like reading certain Bible passages. Right. And stuff. And so I was like fully that. expecting that <laughs> going into this counseling session. And I was like, so like, what's my homework? And he's <laughs> like, well, I mean, here's a couple of books you could read, but like you it's whatever, like it's mm. your own journey. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> what what does that mean (laughs) (laughs) and it was so funny because you know going into counseling like my my whole purpose was not was to fix things in my life you Mm -hmm. know and I really realized as I continued 
that it wasn't about fixing things in my life. It was about figuring out like what I, who I even am, like, mm-hmm. and what I even think about life or, you know, just learning those things. Like it, yeah. there's no fixing. I think that's what I learned. There's no fixing. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think going back to my growing up, I, I always thought, even my understanding of God was like, God was fixing something in me, yeah. you know, like yeah. that I was broken. I needed God to fix something. Mm. And I'm like, no, like, I don't think that's what it is at all. Like, I don't mm. think it's about fixing. I think it's about discovery. Mm. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me was <clears throat> getting into that counseling. And then another mentor I met along the way had been a pastor as well. And um, he's in his, um, I believe his sixties. And I meet up with him like every week and, and we just have developed this amazing friendship. And again, like super like open, non-judgmental, like love, like that is actually love and not like mm. based on anything I think or believe or do. Mm. And, um, and then also having another friend that I had known back in California, even that, um, you know, showed me that, you know, and, and I've been friends, his name's Larry and I've been friends with him since, you know, 2005. And he saw my whole like life story, essentially, like from the time <laughs> that I was, you know, a young, early 20 year old to married to divorced and going through all this stuff and just like him really showing me love, even though, I mean, he and I disagree on so many things too, but like, just, I've had so many people in my life that have been like healing you know, and I don't know if I would have just isolated. I probably would have just stayed with what was safe. I probably mm-hmm. would have just stayed with, no, this is like the way I've been taught. This is the way I, you know, need to think about God. This is, I don't want to go to hell. Mm, <laughs> you know, right. all those things. <laughs> yeah. But, but I was given such an opportunity and I really was given so much love. And I really think, and I, you know, we can have debates online or, you know, have discussions about things we disagree with, but at the end of the day, the only thing that really opens the door for people to discover and to journey and to learn about themselves and learn about the world and what they think about the world is like opportunity, space, and love. Like that's what mm. it is, you yeah. know? Mm. And that's, I mean, that's really like at the end of the day, that's like what I've been given. And then you know, to cap it off, you know, I keep on telling you about all these people that have, you know, I've met. And then of course I meet my now fiance who Mm. is also a uh, therapist. Mm. (laughs) And she again has just like, I actually told her one time I said, I said, I have to have the freedom in this relationship to wake up one morning and say, I'm an atheist and it be okay. Mm. And she's like, yeah, that of course (laughs) wow yeah you know and it's just like so amazing like to be to be even in that closer relationship with someone to um but to know that it's free to be to really be myself and i still struggle with being authentic i'll be honest like Mm -hmm. i mean it's such a such a mechanism a defense mechanism inside me to not be authentic yeah Um, but hopefully over time, over practice, like over discovering more that that just keeps on, you know, coming, you know, out more and more. And I think the biggest thing that I've changed my view on is, is, is where God is. Mm. You know, I used to think God was outside just like this (laughs) sort of like this, you know, being in the sky, um, for lack of a better word. And you know, he was doling out judgments or mm. not judgments. Holding know, a big scale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like weighing the scales or sending people to heaven and hell. Yeah. And now I really think of God as like what happens when, you know, I'm having this conversation with you. Like mm. that to me is where God is. Yeah. Like that is what God is. God is connection. God is, God is people and nature and everything. Like, and it's not that God is everything. It's that God is, is like connecting everything, you know? Mm. And it's God it can't be just another being out there. Like that, that doesn't even make sense about like, that doesn't even make sense in the terms like that are used in the Bible, you know, sure. even just, just the Bible itself. Mm. So yeah, that's really, I think that's my biggest 
if I had to have the biggest thing that I've come to understand or come to believe, I guess, if you, if you can call it that, but even that I hold loosely because I don't ever want to hold my belief so tightly that it prevents me from loving another person. Yeah. That's really good. I think for me too, it's that, you know, growing up, it was like God is found primarily in the church and God is found mm-hmm. primarily in the Bible. And those are the two places where you're going to find God for sure. And I think, you know, once I kind of stepped out of the church world in particular being like a pastor and started to work like at Apple, uh, where you meet all sorts of people from like all mm-hmm. different walks of life, I started to realize like, wow, like God is actually found in these people and is found in these people's stories and is found in these conversations that we're able to have together and these bonds that we're able to make. And now it's like, I feel like my mind has exploded in seeing God in all sorts of places that I never would have thought to look for him um, back when I was pastoring and, you know, in seminary and and things like that. Totally get what you're saying. And I mean, like even listening to like podcasts like yours or, or other podcasts like the liturgists or um, the Bible for normal people's another really good one. I I stumbled upon Um, there's, it's so cool to hear, especially guests that come on who are from even different like religious beliefs and understanding and seeing the parallels. I think I started to step back from um, thinking I had all the answers, you know, and thinking I I knew everything about what that there was to know about God. I think that experience of the divorce and everything really, it it was weird because it's almost like it shook me enough to, to make me question everything I thought was real. Yeah. Even in my own life, but also like beyond that sort of just to my thinking and like understanding. And it was like, it was like, it's weird because it was super painful and it, and it still is. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it was one of the greatest things in my life because it allowed me to like really have an opportunity to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And when I started asking the questions, I started seeing all these parallels with different like faith beliefs and things. And I was like, wow, like I feel like a lot of this feels so similar. Like I yeah. didn't really understand mm-hmm. that like all of these things you know, had so much connection, you know, and it's funny because now it's like, I'm literally like walking around in life looking for connection. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what Jesus was doing when I sit down now and read the Bible and, and, you know, and look at what Jesus was doing as he's, as he's walking around, like, man, he's making connections all over the place. Like, like that is so cool. And like, you know, I mean, that's something to aspire to is to see the connections all around us and to Mm -hmm. not see the disconnect. And I think growing up, at Grace Community, it was so emphasized the disconnect, hmm. like the world, us, you hmm. know? Yeah. And it's like, well, that that's not what I see when I read the Bible anymore. I hmm. see the connection now. You yeah. Know? I love too and what you said about how like hard times, like you said, like with your divorce and the separation yeah. and stuff like that, like that jars you enough to like rethink everything. Yeah. And that really resonates with me because I was thinking about what you're talking about. Like my wife and I had a, a, a miscarriage when I was in my mm. first year of the doctoral program. And it was just like, I remember being in the hospital. I remember the, the doctor coming over like very, almost like very coldly telling us that we had lost the baby. I remember like in that moment and we went home and we, you know, we talked and it was just this very long process of grieving. But I remember feeling like the easy answers that I grew up with and like the easy answers you talked about, like in church that everybody had these answers to the questions like it didn't work anymore i was like yeah. i feel like these answers were fine when everything else felt fine but now that i have this like thing that's literally rocked my world like these answers just don't work for me anymore and i refuse to accept like that you know god is sovereign so he allowed this to happen you know right. what i mean yeah no i think that's i think that's what it is i think it's experiences like yeah and you know i think that that's you know, not to get too in the weeds, but I think Jesus spoke a lot in parables and stories because I think the idea is that the experience of God is, it can't just be like systematized. It can't just be like a theology, you know, like it has to be experienced. And I think, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of times it's the painful experiences that actually bring us in a sense, the closest to God in a way 
yeah. you know, and, and they, and they, I think get us deeper and, and grow us in our journey. Right. Um, you know, they, they can obviously do, do the opposite too. We can shut down. Sure. Um, and it's a matter of what we let ha- happen from that pain. You know, we can put up the defense mechanisms and, and numb out and things like that, which is super easy to do. Yeah. But if we actually let it actually wash over us and we actually experience it and feel it, mm. that is where the real like growth and depth can happen. And I mean, like, you know, it's happened with you. It's happened with me. I think, I think that's really how it happens. And also relationships. I remember just another quick story, you know, as I was starting to deconstruct my thinking, um, you know, a big, big thing in my growing up was, you know, LGBTQ people, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to hell, you know, Um, that was, that was a belief that I was taught and really believed for a long time, to be honest with you. Mm. And I remember starting to question that, you know, uh, several years ago. And then a close friend of mine, you know, um, came out to me Mm. and, um, I had known this, this particular friend for a long time, you know, um, probably, you know, 10 plus years. And I was just like, whoa and it was interesting because it wasn't like whoa i'm judging it was like this is confirmation Mm. (laughs) this is confirmation that my questioning of this was right Mm. like and and as soon as that happened literally the day i was like okay like i i'm going to study this but at the same time love always dominates for me and and i cannot think that this friend who I love dearly and who I know loves me and Mm. loves those around him. Like I know that he's not going to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was like, there's no (laughs) way in hell he's going to hell. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's just crazy how these experiences really like they, they can even take like where you're already starting to question things and they can like kind of, okay, that takes it over the top, you Mm. know? Yeah. And it was just a huge moment for me. And, you know, I really believe that it was divine. You know, I I don't have any other way to say it. Yeah. I think there's something about the, the experience of proximity that breeds newness and breeds compassion. Like when you have no relationship with an LGBTQ person, it's very easy to stick to the rule book, you know, but when you have a relationship and you, see the love in their eyes you hear the compassion in their voice you you see the good they're doing in their world it's like wait a minute like all of a sudden all those again all those easy answers don't really work anymore and you have to you're forced to rethink it right yeah i think that's the greatest thing i think that's why i never want to stop Hmm. having experiences with people that are different with me like to me that's the that's the best thing and you know one of the things i love about podcasts like yours and like communities that you know like your your facebook group and um even just facebook in general like you can in a way you can like have opportunities to connect with people that are so different than you that Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't have necessarily like even 20 years ago honestly like our world has become so much more connected and so much less isolated and i think that's a good thing like i Mm -hmm. really do and i even think that even the scripture talks about that like the you know taking the good news to the ends of the world like i mean that's connection that's like connecting things you know and it's not it's not trying to get people to believe a certain thing but the good news is that like we can love each other like that Mm -hmm. that's possible you know and that we can have connection to each other and that we're not all gonna go burn in hell (laughs) right exactly (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> so okay. yeah it's just it's it's exciting it's exciting that's all i have to say like it's just it's exciting it makes me excited and i feel like the real brandon starts to come out you know when i think about the future i guess you know so and, and good. before yeah. i might be depressed about it or or whatever you know so so good so last question for you what is your advice for people who are in that process of deconstructing. So you've been going through this process. You've kind of stepped out of the the weeds. You're doing new things, thinking new things. Talk for a minute to the person who maybe they're listening. Uh, they're still in that evangelical world. They're up against, you know, the the people that say you can't have questions, you can't have doubts, but yet 
inside. There are these rumblings, there's these stirrings. Maybe they've had a difficult experience that's kind of jarred them a little bit. Like, what's your experience uh, tell you to share with them to kind of help them along? What's your advice? Yeah, I think my advice would be to be really careful because a lot of times, and I and I can speak from experience on this, mm. a lot of times I would question something and I would immediately kind of like swing to a very extreme view on the other end mm. of something yep. and start to, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier where it's like, because you've maybe been hurt by your religious upbringing or you know, you see others in the world hurt by it, you start to feel like, oh, these are the enemy now. Like, mm. let's go destroy the Christians or the the conservative Christians at least, yeah. you know, and, and the progressive Christians, they're the ones that like got it right, you know? Mm. And we basically like kind of like go back to the same thing. It's like, oh, now the progressive Christians have it right, right. and the conservative Christians don't. So like basically we just did the same thing. We just flip-flopped it, mm. you know? Yeah. And so I think we have to really be like really in touch with the fact that it's a personal journey. Every single one of us is on this journey in different places and, you know, don't let the fear of questions or the fear of being ostracized, you know, like being cast out, Mm. keep you from asking the questions and make sure that you're really in touch with believing that you are okay, even if nobody believes or agrees with you, Mm. that you are okay. Mm. I mean, it's very hard to, trust me, I struggle with this all the time. It's very hard to internalize that, but that is the most powerful thing. Yeah. Because then we don't have to worry about debating and getting people from our past on our side or like getting things to confirm what we believe. Like we can just live our life ask the questions, see what unfolds. And we don't have to push it. We don't have to rush it. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to be in fear. Mm. And, if, you know, it's a daily struggle too. It's not like, like my counselor said something to me this week. He said, we were talking about, you know, a particular thing in my life. And he's like, this is never going to be something that just clicks and it's there. Like, mm. you know, cause back in, in, in the past, like I would think that it's like, oh, you know, like is when God saves me, everything is going to be fine, you know, or, mm. or when I get saved, everything's going to click into place. But that's not life. Like our journey is very messy. It's very, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's work, you yeah. know? And I think if we give ourselves compassion, knowing that we're not always going to do things perfectly, but also give others compassion, knowing that they may have hurt you, but they didn't, weren't like mm. trying to hurt you they honestly earnestly believe what they're saying and what they're doing. Yeah. And it's not, you know, they're trapped in maybe a fear cycle or something. Mm. And you know, you, you being angry at them. I mean, that's, that's an important part, but at the same time, like just staying angry and and, and trying to debate and get them to change their mind is probably going to continue the fear cycle. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that'll really break that, at least as far as I've experienced it is love and compassion. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I really think that, man, if, if, if we could all do that, man, that would just be unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that you touched on to that love and compassion piece on yourself, you know, just like you said about, yeah. you know, being okay with you, regardless of whether or not someone agrees with you or disagrees. And it reminds me of like Jesus's baptism, right? Like before mm-hmm. he did anything ministry wise, you know, the father said to him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And whether someone agrees with you, disagrees with you, likes you, doesn't like you, um, the spirit, the divine God, Jesus, whatever you want to say is pleased with you. Cool, man. Well, we're just about, um, out of time, but before we, before you go, um, where can people find you online? Uh, share a little bit about your podcast. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I have a podcast that is very free flowing. It's very, uh, different. There's movie reviews on there. There's theology talk on there. There's uh, talk about uh, some psychology on there, all sorts of everything things. goes <laughs> basically. Yes, everything yeah. goes. And it is essentially, it's talking about life's questions. So a lot of, you know, questioning that's I, I'm probably going to do that the rest of my life, which is why I wanted to start a podcast about it. Yeah. And it's called the lone microphone podcast. So you can find it on Apple podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. Um, I think it's on all the places basically that you can find podcasts hmm. and you can also, 
if you uh, want to add me as a friend on Facebook, my name is Brandon Rice. You should be able to find me. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't how know how many Brandon Rices are on there, but you know, add all of them, and one of them will work, I guess. There you go. <laughs> you'll, fi- you'll find and, out who you are soon enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you want to see some of my film work, I do a lot of wedding films. So you know, like if you're getting married and you want a really cool video of your wedding, my website is brandonricefilms.com and i also do like other like projects as well like commercial projects and stuff so um there's some stuff on there and yeah i mean that's pretty much it as far as my stuff cool Um, i'll put all the links to that in the show notes awesome yeah and man i i like so appreciate you having me on it was like super um just like healing for me to be able to like talk about this especially in the safe space that you provide and um, you know, I, I actually hope that this is encouraging to the people that listen to your podcast. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And it's been an honor to talk with you and just to kind of uh, get to know you over the course of yeah. time, just on your Facebook page and our Facebook group and you, the insights that you share and uh, the heart that you have and the willingness that you have to share your story with people, I think helps put, helps other people put words on their own story that they might be struggling to find. So props to you. Awesome. You. We'll, we'll do this again sometime because I have more questions for you. And, Sounds good. Uh, you have a good night, all right? All right, you too. Amen. Bye bye. I know that there's something so special about you and me, babe. You got me, you got me, you got me feeling fine. So just say the words because you know what it means to me, babe. When you got me, you got me, you got me feeling right. Your eyes, your eyes hypnotize me, babe.